Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and I'm so happy that today I'm coming to you with Denise Renner. Denise, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. It's a privilege to be on these programs and talk about the power that women have. Honey, women have so much power. Oh, they have a lot of power, Rick. And what kind of power they have really depends on what God has done in their in hearts. Their heart. And by the way, that's not just true about women. That's true about all of us. What God has done in our heart or has not done in our heart determines what kind of weapon we are in life. We're either a weapon that heals or we're a weapon that kills. But we're talking about women. And in the Old and the New Testament, we find there were a lot of women who had powerful, godly influence. There were a few who had really bad influence like Jezebel. Jezebel, a woman so gifted. Denise, she was so gifted. She was so striking in appearance that when Ahab saw her, he was obsessed that he had to have her to be his wife. But she brought all of her wickedness into Israel and manipulated her husband and worked through his throne and brought him down. She brought her sons down. She brought the nation down. She was a woman who committed all seven abominations that are listed in Proverbs chapter 6. She used her influence in a bad way. But then there's other women like Bathsheba. Bathsheba started out wrong, but while she ended out right. Or how about Sarah? Sarah, a woman who began as being so unpleasant, sarcastic, mocking her husband, even laughing at God, but God touched her. And this woman that was so unpleasant was turned into a princess. And we saw in the last program about Mary Magdalene, a wealthy woman who had an infestation of seven demon spirits. Those spirits were so entrenched inside Mary that we're told in Mark 16, 9, Jesus had to cast them out, the Greek word ekbalo, which means to evict or to forcibly remove. He literally forced them to leave her and they fled from her and she was set free and she used her money and her resources and her influence to support Jesus for the rest of his ministry. And today, we're going to look at another Mary. You know, it's funny, when you look at all the women who served the ministry of Jesus and women who were involved in New Testament ministry, there were so many of them named Mary. It's like in Russia, where we live. If Denise says to me, honey, I've been talking to Tanya today, I'm going to say, Tanya? Which one of, like, millions of Tanyas? There are so many Tanyas. But... In the New Testament times, there were a lot of Marys. We've already covered Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was a original Pentecostal. We've seen Mary Magdalene, and today we're going to see another Mary, a woman who gave her living room to Jesus. It's going to be so good today. But we're offering you the series, which is called 10 Powerful Women. Please order this series. You will love it. You will devour it. It would be a tremendous gift to give to someone else, and it comes with a study guide so you can read it while you see it or while you hear it. And we're offering you the book, which my wife really wants me to give her, and I will when we're through tomorrow. <laughs> and the book is called All the Women of the Bible, Everything You Wanted to Know, More Than 400 Named and Unnamed Women, What They Did, How They Used Their Lives, there's so much to learn in this tremendous resource. And when you become a partner with our ministry, Denise and I will send you two of our books. 
One is written by Denise. It's powerful. It's called The Gift of Forgiveness. The second is called Life in the Combat Zone, which is dedicated to partners. And we're not prophesying a combat zone in your life. You're probably already in some kind of a conflict zone. We want to help you get out of it. That's why the subtitle says how to survive, thrive, and overcome in the midst of any difficult situation. This book will help you. But the moment you become a financial partner with our ministry, we're going to get these in the mail to you as our way of saying, welcome to our family. And together as partners, we're going to take the teaching of the Bible to people who are crying out for it. We can make a difference in someone else's life. And from now until October, we're offering you our brand new autobiography. The story's not new, but the book is new. It's called Unlikely, Our Faith-Filled Journey to the Ends of the Earth. And there's a picture of me and Denise on Red Square in Moscow. How did we get here? And how is it possible we're doing what we're doing? How did we get from our little towns in Oklahoma, Umayam, Oklahoma, me in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, clear on the other side of the world? How did all of this happen is truly a remarkable story of faith, and the book is filled with teaching. The back of the book says, if you're ready to read a true life story, it's true, that will store, stir your faith and launch to launch out and experience your own unlikely adventure, this is the book for you to read. So order yours today. You can order all of these by going online or by giving us a call, and when you reach out to us, we're going to ask you, how can we pray for you? We want to pray for you. Let us know how to pray for you. And the moment you tell us how to pray, we're going to really begin to put our faith together with you for God to do something mighty in your life. But we'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome back to the program. Denise and I are so glad we're with you today. And today we want to talk to you about the woman who gave her living room to Jesus. You might say, I don't really have anything I can give to the Lord. What can I do? She may have said the same thing, but she had a living room that was available so she gave it to Jesus, and because she gave her living room to Jesus, that living room shows up in 260 verses in the New Testament. <laughs> that's amazing. Honey, that's a lot of territory in the New Testament. 260 verses. And I'm sure when she opened her doors and said, Lord, if you'd like to use my living room, you can use it. She didn't know she would become a fixture in the Bible. She had influence. And I think about others who seemed like they had so little, like David. He had five stones and a sling, but God used what he had in his hand. Or how about Moses? He had a shepherd's staff, and God said, what is that in your hand? God used what was in his hand. Or how about the little boy who had five loaves and two small fish? It seemed like so little, but Jesus used it to feed thousands and thousands of people. And dear friend, if you'll just use what you have, God will give you the ability to exercise influence and become powerful in the lives of others. And that's what we're going to see today. Rick, if we just give our little, when the power of God attaches itself to our little, it becomes much. That's amazing. 
But reach for your Bible. I've got my Bible. Do you have yours? Got my Bible. All right. We've already seen that this room shows up in 260 verses in the New Testament, and it is referred to as the upper room. Now today, if you go to Jerusalem, you can still visit the upper room. And guess what? It really is the upper room where all of these events took place. It was identified very, very early. And by the fourth century, they begin to call it the Cenacle, which is Latin for upper room, but really it is the upper room. That's where the Holy Spirit was poured out. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is still being poured out in that room today. You can go to the upper room and watch people being filled with the Holy Spirit. When this Mary gave her living room to Jesus, she didn't know God was going to use her living room for 2,000 years. And recorded in the Bible over and over and over and over again. It is truly amazing. But let's talk about who is she. Well, she was the sister of Barnabas, and she had a son whose name was John Mark, the same John Mark who became the secretary to the Apostle Peter and later moved to Rome. And he took dictation from Peter as Peter <clears throat> dictated the gospel. And John Mark began to write the gospel, which today is called the gospel of Mark. But in fact, really, it is the gospel of Peter. Peter was dictating, but Mark is known for writing it down. That's why it's called the gospel of Mark. But this was her son. And it's amazing to me how many people say, well, I'm just worried that if I force ministry on my kids, it will give them a bad experience and make them want to run from the church. This Mary opened her home to Jesus and her home abounded with ministry. And in that ministry environment was her little boy who grew up, who grew up meeting the disciples, the apostles, Jesus. It didn't turn him off. It turned him on. And when you expose your children to the work of God, it will turn them on to the power of God. That's what happened with John Mark. But she opened her home to Jesus. We believe that she was a widow, but she was a very wealthy, wealthy widow. And she owned this big, big house, which was very near to the temple. Well, back in those days, it was common for wealthy people to have large rooms on the second or third floors of their home. And that's exactly what this was. And when you read John 1.13, we discovered this is where the day of Pentecost took place. It says, and when they were come in, they went into the upper room. In Greek, upper room describes the highest part of the house, the upper rooms or upper story of a house, usually the largest open spaces in magnificent old homes from the first century. And in this case, it was an upper chamber in the home of Mary. You say, well, how do you know that it was Mary's house? Well, first of all, I have a whole series based on this called Upper Room Realities. If you want Jesus to occupy your living room, you ought to get this series. You can go to our website to order. It comes with a whole series and a study guide. You can have an upper, real upper room reality in your own home. But we know it was her home because it is identified in Acts chapter 12, verse 12. When Peter Denise was released from prison, he knew where to go. He knew Mary's house is the place where it's happening. If there's any action taking place, it's happening there. That's where the believers are gathered. He knew right where to go because Mary's living room had become the hub of activity for the church in Jerusalem. And in Acts 12, verse 12, it says, And when he had considered the thing which had been done to him, 
he came to the house of Mary. And you know what's interesting? In Greek, there's a definite article. It says he came to the house. It was not just a house. It was the house where all of this was happening. And the Bible says it was the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, and many were gathered together there praying. But what we're going to find out today is the upper room is where? Number one, Jesus served the disciples' communion. Can you imagine being able to say, yeah, Jesus served communion to his disciples in my living room. That's where it happened. It's recorded in John chapter 13 on that final night when Jesus broke bread and when Jesus served communion to his disciples, it happened in the upper room, which was Mary's upper room. Or how about John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17, when Jesus got on his knees and girded himself with a towel and washed the feet of his disciples, Denise. That happened in Mary's upper room. It was in her living room. She might have been the one who helped prepare the basin of water, but she watched all of this happening right in front of her. It was in her own living room. Or how about John 14 to 16, where for three chapters, Jesus spoke his last words to his apostles, and he taught to them over and over and over about the wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit, John 14, 15, and 16. That entire discourse on the ministry of the Holy Spirit happened right in Mary's living room. That's remarkable. Or how about John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus, where he prayed that we as a church would be one as he and the Father were one, that happened in Mary's living room. Jesus literally occupied her living room. Or how about John 20, verses 19 to 31, after the resurrection. The Bible says that the disciples were hiding behind doors for fear of the Jews. Wonder whose doors they were hiding behind. Mary's. They were in the same room. Denise, all of these activities happened in one place because one woman said, I don't have much, but this is what I have, and if you want it, you can use it. They occupied her living room, and the disciples hid there for fear of the Jews, and Jesus knew right where he would find them. He knew he would find those apostles in Mary's upper room. And it was in that very moment in John chapter 20, verse 22, that Jesus said to his apostles, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that is the first time any human beings had been born again. The first time. It happened in Mary's living room. That is amazing to me. Or how about in Acts 1, 9 to 13? Jesus had told the disciples... Go to Jerusalem, wait there for the promise of the Father. Well, when you read Acts chapter 1, verses 9 to 13, we find they went to the upper room. It was Mary's living room. This was the hangout. It was the hub where all the activity happened in the city of Jerusalem. Maybe it could have happened somewhere else. But this was a woman who said, Jesus, I don't have much, but here's what I have. And if you can use it, it's yours to use 
here is my living room. We call it the upper room. That is just amazing to me. Or how about Acts 1, 15 to verse 26. The Bible says that after Judas had committed suicide, they had to choose a new apostle. They begin to cast lots. I would have loved to have seen that whole event that night. Mary saw it. You know why? Happened in her living room. That happened in her living room. Or how about Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, where the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, they were all gathered together in one place. What place? Mary's living room. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Pentecost happened in her living room. How would you like Pentecost to happen in your living room? But wait, that's not all. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31, after Peter and John had been beaten and finally released by the religious leaders in Jerusalem, they knew where to go. They went to an upper room. It was the same room and it was filled with believers that were praying. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place, it's talking about that living room, the place was shaken where they were assembled. How would you like to attend a prayer meeting in your own house where the power of God is so eruptive, the very building begins to tremble and sway and shake? That happened in Mary's living room or Acts chapter 12. As I told you earlier, when Peter was released from prison, he knew where he would find people meeting. It says he went to the house. In Greek, it has a definite article, the house. He knew it was the place to go. It was the house of Mary. And there all the believers were assembled. He found them. He said, here I am. I've been set free. Denise, all of that happened in her living room, probably because she said, Jesus, I'm not a preacher. Jesus, I'm not a theologian. But I'm a wealthy woman and I have a really big room in my house. And if you would like to use my room, you can sure use it. And Jesus took her up on that offer. And all of those events happened in her house. And when you put all of those events together, Denise, all of those events cover 260 verses in the New Testament. Would you say this woman had influence? I'd say she had great influence. And Rick, the whole time you're talking, I'm thinking about one gift, the gift of hospitality. And that some people, they say, I can't preach, I can't sing, I can't prophesy, I'm not very rich. They, they put themselves down, but they have the desire to have people in their home, to feed them, to make them feel comfortable, don't put that gift down because that's the gift that she had. It was hospitality. She made, she wanted to make everybody feel welcome in her home. And if you have that gift, recognize how powerful it is. And I seriously doubt that she said, you know what, if I do this, I'll end up in 260 <laughs> verses of the Bible. I doubt it. She had no idea. No idea. She was just a wealthy woman, a widow with a young boy who said, Jesus, I really love you, and I want my son to be exposed to you and to your ministry and to all your team. So would you please use what I have? Well, and honey, that's what God does with all of us. Oh. He just uses what we have. We already saw 
that David just had five stones in a sling, but God used it to pull a giant down. We saw that Moses had a rod in his hand, and God said to him, what's in your hand? He said, a rod. God said, I'll use it. Or the little boy with the five loaves and two fish. Even when Andrew saw it, he kind of laughed and said, what is this among so many? But when it was passed into the hands of Jesus, it fed probably more than 40,000 people. You have to give Jesus what you have in your hand. And if you're the one who says, well, I don't have much. Never been to Bible school. I don't know how to speak. I can't sing. Then look at what you have. Look at what you do have. Don't talk about what you don't have. Look at what you do have, because that's what Jesus wants. She just had a living room, and she surrendered it to Jesus. Jesus took the offer, and he and his disciples and the power of God occupied what she gave him. And that's what Jesus will do for you. And when you surrender to Jesus what you have, it doesn't matter what you think of yourself. When you surrender to Jesus what you have, he will occupy it, and you will end up having such a godly, powerful influence in the lives of others. Isn't that amazing? Rick, it's so powerful because when you give what you have, you open the door, you say yes, and heaven and power of God comes into whatever it is that's in your hand. But Denise, we have one more day in this series. Yes. And when we come back tomorrow, I'm going to answer a very important question. Is it all right for women to preach? And we're going to see who was the first woman preacher in the New Testament. Don't miss tomorrow. But we'll be back in just a moment, and we are going to pray for you. Women are powerful and very influential, but what kind of power and influence they have depends on what has happened inside their hearts. The Bible tells us of women like Jezebel, a woman who had no touch of God in her heart and used her influence to destroy her husband, her sons, and her nation. But the Bible also gives examples of women who were supportive, godly, helpful, and delivering. In this amazing 10-part series, 10 Powerful Women with Rick and Denise Renner, you will learn about an unnamed woman who changed history, a woman God radically changed, a woman who saved her nation, a woman who was delivered of demons by Jesus, a woman who gave her living room to Jesus, a woman preacher in the New Testament. Whether you are a man or a woman, this powerful series will help you embrace who God wants you to be and is available in digital or physical format starting at just $20. In addition, we are also offering you the book, All the Women of the Bible. The world needs men and women to embrace their God-given destiny and to make a difference in the lives of those around them. This book is filled with examples of 400 named and unnamed women of the Bible, and it is amazing. We know it will be a blessing to you. This insightful book by Herbert Lockyer can be yours for just $19. Don't miss this special offer, this series, 10 Powerful Women, and the book, All the Women of the Bible. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Well, they will call and say, I just happened to come across this, this man and his demeanor and his, uh, he has such a peace about him. 
And I really like the fact that he is so versed in the Word of God, so versed in uh, what he's teaching on. You can tell he really puts the time into it. But he's also easy to listen to because, um, I, you know, Pastor Rick is operating in his gift. And within that gift, there is um, a certain circle of people that may not always follow certain teachings, whether it be on healing or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe that wasn't their background, but the way Pastor Rick's demeanor is, and because of his um, study of the Word, they take the time to listen. I've prayed with a lot of people that have been saved their whole life, been in church their whole life, and said, he makes me trust that if I call you and ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that I'm getting something that's scriptural. And so that, that just blesses me. And then we talk to a lot of people from other countries. I, I mean, we talk to people all over the world. Some people call in and think that we're in Russia. And we're like, no, this is his stateside office. He does have a, an office in Russia. But we talk to people, I mean, I just talked to someone this morning from Norway. We talked to people from Canada. We talked to people from India. So it's not just within the United States. We're talking to people all over the world. And we're reaching the whole world from right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's exciting. It was a great connection for them. So many people are isolate, have been isolated, and they were fearful, and they found a place where they could be encouraged, taught, strengthened, prayed for, and people who loved on them and cared for them. My friend, we are growing as a ministry. People are responding to the teaching of the Bible. They're reaching out to us for resources, for prayer, and for ministry. And God has given us the awesome responsibility of ministering to them, and we need more space to do it. So would you please pray about becoming a part of the giving team to help with our ministry expansion project. Thank you so much for letting Denise and me be with you today and to share the wonderful Word of God. If you need prayer, please let us know how to pray for you. We want to pray for you. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I'll show you great and mighty things. And when you reach out to us with your prayer need, either by calling us or by sending us an email or going online, and let us know how to pray, we'll call out to God with you in faith. And God will really show you great and mighty things. And remember that we're offering you this series called 10 Powerful Women. It's a powerful series. It will just encourage you. And it comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you right now the book called All the Women of the Bible, What Women of the Bible Teach Us Today. This is so wonderful. And today in the program, I mentioned another series, so I want to mention it to you again, called Upper Room Realities. If you want to have an upper room reality in your house, go online to our website store, look it up, and order the series called Upper Room Realities. And remember that from now until October, at a special discount on our website store, we're offering you our new autobiography called Unlikely, our faith-filled journey to the ends of the earth. But today I want to pray for you with Denise. I don't know what you have in your hands, mm. but Jesus wants it. Mm. And if you'll surrender what you have, 
He will use it. You may not be a theologian. You may not be a Bible teacher. You may not publicly sing. It doesn't matter. You have to give Jesus what you have. And God will use that to give you a lot of powerful, godly influence in the lives of others. We speak it to you in the name of Jesus, that you would give to Jesus whatever it is that you have to give him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power.